With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Boss, Joe Young's here to see you. He says it's very important. Send him in. What do you want, Hung? I'm very, very busy. Well, Mr. Orbison, I just came by to tell you that I have to quit. I appreciate everything you've done for me, but I have to say no. My contract does state that I can leave whenever I want. Wait a minute, kid. You're forgetting something. What? That contracts don't mean shit to me. Now, you're going to finish this film, and then do you know what you're going to do? No. You're going to do Orgasmo 3. Orgasmo 4, Orgasmo 5, Orgasmo 20, fucking 7 if I want you to. And do you know why? No. Because I'm Max Orbison. And I get what I want. Now, now hold on a minute, Mr. Orbison. I said I don't want to do it. And you don't, you don't own me. You want to bet I don't, punk? The Solomonster sounds off. My client, Brock Lesnar, conquered the street. This doesn't make any sense. Your title belt is made of leather. You're not a real vegan. He's fat. You haven't been beat up properly. Woo! Welcome to episode 356 of the Solomonster Sounds Off podcast here. A special edition of the Sound Off. I'm calling the CM Punk story. Here for Saturday, November 29th, 2014. I am the Solomonster. You can listen to full episodes of this podcast each and every week on thesolomonster.com. We also stream in iTunes. You can subscribe to us there. Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio. And what we're going to do here with this episode, this entire show is going to be dedicated to the CM Punk story, given that he just did a two-hour interview on Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast and finally let us in on all of the different events that built to his departure earlier this year from WWE. He broke his silence on Thanksgiving Day, and so I figured we'll just dedicate this entire episode to that. We'll go through everything he said, the good, the bad, and the ugly the pros, the cons, I have some issues with some of the things he said, uh, and I also think it's an even bigger indictment on WWE. A lot to talk about. I will be doing a normal episode of The Sound Off covering Sting's debut at Survivor Series, Raw the next night, uh, the usual NXT, Lucha Underground review, there's some other news, your mailbag questions. Uh, I will be doing that. That'll be Sound Off episode 357 that will be dropping on Sunday, the usual day, so do not despair. You are getting a double episode of The Sound Off this weekend. Uh, This is part one, and the usual part two will be coming on Sunday at its normal time. But let me just first mention that if you like what you hear with The Sound Off podcast, you can make a PayPal donation to the show on thesolomonster.com. You'll see the PayPal box on the right-hand side. You can also use our Audible link if you want to sign up for a free 30-day trial of the audible.com audiobook service. You can get a copy of Chris Jericho's new book, The Best in the World at What I Have No Idea, which I just reviewed on our YouTube channel. Uh, You can use your one free book when you sign up for the trial and get Jericho's audiobook and have it narrated to you. So just use the link 
audibletrial.com slash Solomonster and take advantage of that. And also take advantage of our 20% off Black Friday sale at our Pro Wrestling Tea store, prowrestlingtees.com slash Solomonster sounds off. The sale ends at midnight, first thing Monday morning, so you got a little bit more time to take advantage of that. 20% off any shirt you order, including the new Let Me School You Sun shirt, which is a, uh, a hot item right now. So use the code Black Friday, all one word, at checkout. You'll get your discount. And uh, head on over to the store and take advantage of that. So CM Punk. You may have heard that CM Punk made a, a little appearance on Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast. Thanksgiving Day is when the show dropped. It broke the internet. The website was down. Nobody could get a hold. I couldn't even get it through Colt's website. I actually got it through Stitcher. And then I found out that the Stitcher link wasn't working. So... Uh, I think he may have put it up subsequently on YouTube. Obviously, there was a lot of interest in this interview. It was Punk's first tell-all since he left the company earlier this year at the end of January. He has been silent ever since. Probably so that the legal stuff could be sorted out, and then once that was done, he would feel more open to speaking. And speak he did. It was a two-hour podcast. Apparently, he's coming back on Colt's show to answer fan questions next week. So there may be more fallout from this. There's... Probably going to be a lot more to talk about next week. I hope Trax picks this up, or at least parts of it, because I think there'll be uh, a lot of interest here as we go through this. Now, it's important to keep in mind that it's only one side of the story that we're getting here. This is CM Punk's version of events. Uh, Let's all remember that. That being said, WWE is a company that has given us revisionist history on so many things, so many times before. If it's Punk's word against theirs, I'd be inclined to side with Punk on this. And there's a lot of things that he talks about. Look, you never know what if people are embellishing, if they're making stuff up. I, I listened to the entire interview. There were very few things that I heard that would make me think, okay, well, he would have a reason to lie about this. There's a lot of stuff that he covers here. And really, there's no reason for him to make random shit up about it. So, in my opinion... I could take a lot of what he said at face value. Doesn't mean everything he said is true. It's important to keep in mind that it's also coming from his point of view. I believe that he believes everything he's saying. And and not just about how I was the best and I deserve to be making this much money and all that. You know, I think in his heart of hearts, he believes every single word that came out of his mouth. And I think a lot of the conversations that he talked about, I think a lot of the medical stuff that we'll get into here, which is pretty serious shit, I think there's a lot of truth to what he's saying here. And I just don't see what would be gained by him randomly making stuff up. So there are people out there who just insist, well, you know, let's not take everything he says for gospel. True. But as we go along here, I think it paints a very poor picture of WWE. Uh, And unfortunately, I don't know that we're ever going to get that other side of the story. It's not really in their best interest to come out and counter every single point that this guy made. Uh, They probably should say something. I guess we'll find out because Vince McMahon, talk about great timing... Uh, or poor timing, depending on how you look at it, if you're Vince, is going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin's guest on that live version of his podcast airing on the network immediately after Raw this Monday night. Uh, And I I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it here, you know, they're advertising that podcast as a no-holds-barred discussion. Well, let me tell you something. If that's a no-holds-barred discussion, and Stone Cold, I think in the commercial, there are going to be no bullshit questions If it's so no-holds-barred and there's no bullshit questions, and that's true, the first two questions asked would be about Randy Savage and CM Punk. And both are timely. Savage just had his his new DVD that came out, 
and there's a, a, a portion of and I watched it very very good documentary there's a portion of it that doesn't come right out and specifically say hey there are rumors that Randy Savage may have had some kind of uh, relationship with a young Stephanie McMahon but boy there was no mistaking that they were certainly taking advantage of those rumors and trying to play it up I mean it was obvious what they were trying to do to sell to sell some DVDs so that just came out like a week ago maybe two weeks ago this, the punk stuff just broke. Now you're going to have Vince McMahon answering fan questions on your podcast, okay? If it's so no-holds-barred, we'll find out pretty quickly how no-holds-barred it really is. Uh, but that being said, let's let's get into this here. Now, Colt Cabana, really good friends with punk. We know that. They're like best buds. They've been friends since the 90s. He wasn't trying to be a journalist here. Some of you guys have written into me and said, well, you know, of course, CM Punk is being interviewed by his friend. This wasn't an interview. This was a platform that he gave him to pretty much just speak his mind. I didn't really hear Colt Cabana asking too many questions. I mean, he would butt in here and there when he had something to say, but this was not an interview. This was an open forum to vent. Okay, He was not on there trying to be Walter Cronkite. Uh, When I was finished with the whole thing, uh, Punk's story reminded me of the comment that Bret Hart made at the end of Wrestling with Shadows, for those of you who saw that documentary, when... uh, he, he's basically talking about how in WWE, you're like a piece of meat, and when they have no use for you anymore, when you've outlasted your usefulness, where you get too old, they take you out back and they put a slug in the back of your head. That's kind of what he equated it to. And that was the first thing that popped in my head when Punk was done talking about everything that he went through and the physical stuff and the injuries and them really wanting him to get back out there and get on the road and Vince McMahon calling him after he had knee surgery and saying, hey, how you feeling? You know, I booked you in a TLC match on Raw against Ryback in two weeks. And Punk's like, well, I, I just had surgery. I'm not going to be recovered for four to six. He goes, ah, you'll be okay in two. I can absolutely believe that because we've heard similar stories from so many guys before about the pressure that's put on you because they need you. You're, you're high enough up on the card or they're thin on talent, whatever the case may be. It's like Brett said, they treat you like a piece of meat. That's just, that's just how it is. That's how it always has been, and that's probably still how it is now. And whether that's just pressure that the wrestlers sometimes will put on themselves because they don't want to be out for a long period of time, they want to keep making money, they don't want to lose their spot, they're getting a push, or if it's coming from Vince, if it's coming from the agents, if it's coming from the actual promoter themselves, this shit happens all the time. So the three main things I took away from this were, number one, Punk was way too obsessed about getting that WrestleMania main event. I think he said he even considers himself a failure as a wrestler for having never gotten there, which is completely ridiculous. Number two, WWE has some fucked up business practices. Putting shit about the wrestlers on their website before letting the wrestlers know about it, which is something Chris Jericho talks about in his new book. He once found out he was suspended by reading it on .com first. Uh, Launching a network before figuring out how to pay the guys for the pay-per-views mailing a letter of termination to the guy on his wedding day, not to mention all the medical stuff that Punk alleges in this podcast. And the third thing I took away from this is never work with Ryback, at least according to CM Punk. Uh, Punk says he's as happy now as he's been in years. Uh, He doesn't want to come off as bitter, but he admits that he is a little bit bitter. He says sometimes being bitter is okay. Uh, He calls WWE a very stifling creative environment. Not really much of a surprise there. Some of the earlier stuff that really bothered him, he talked about sponsors and sponsorship opportunities 
uh, right after the Pipe Bomb promo in 2011, when he suddenly got white hot and they put the belt on him and he re-signed, somewhere in that period, in the summer of 2011, uh, he was given a fairly big sponsorship opportunity and came to Vince with it, and Vince would not let him do it. Uh, And part of it was he would wear, I guess, trunks that would have the logo for whatever the sponsor was on it, very similar to what Brock Lesnar now wears with the 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 J and J thing, whatever whatever the, the the company is, and Vince wouldn't let him do it. Vince thought that it was it was basically like opening Pandora's box, and you know we can't let you do it because then everybody else. So you know he said it wasn't his hill to die on. He let it go, and sure enough, less than a year later, Brock Lesnar comes back, and he admits that Brock may have had sponsors that uh, he already had existing deals with and had to honor those deals. But the fact is, they made a deal with Brock. Brock came in not wearing his old traditional black boots and black wrestling tights from 2002 and 2003. He was wearing fight shorts that had a sponsor on them. And, you know, Punk said, look, if if a guy like Brock you think is a much bigger superstar than me, then fire me. You know, if, if you don't think I'm such a big star. Fact is, Brock Lesnar came in, he was a much bigger star than CM Punk. In fact, Brock Lesnar was a much bigger star at that point than every single person on the WWE roster uh, at that time, unless you count The Rock, who had already come back. Uh, Brock had been a huge pay-per-view draw for UFC. Uh, granted, he hadn't been for uh, maybe a couple of years there, but uh, he had gotten sick, he had to retire, came back to wrestling. The fact is, he's still the biggest pay-per-view draw, I believe, in UFC history. One of the biggest pay-per-view attractions uh, in years and years. I mean, he's I wouldn't put him bigger than Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao, uh, but certainly he was way up there. He was a draw. He was a big-time star. And they felt that it was worth it to, you know, acquiesce and give him whatever it was that he wanted in order to bring him in. I don't fault WWE for that. But at the same time, you know, if, if a wrestler is coming to you, he's got some momentum, right? He's, he's suddenly becoming very popular. And he's got a huge sponsorship opportunity where he can make himself a lot of money. He doesn't have to tattoo their logo on his body. He doesn't have to dress from head to toe wearing their logos and wearing their gear. But, you know, he'll he'll wear something that has their likeness or their logo on it so he can make himself some money, and maybe it brings some attention to the company as well. Maybe it brings or it welcomes other sponsorship opportunities for some of these other guys. And this goes to the independent contractor thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into this. I'm going to rant on this later on. But this ties into that as well, where if these guys are supposedly independent contractors, and he's coming to you and saying, listen, you know, I've got this great opportunity that can allow me to make a shitload of money for myself in addition to what I already make. Who is Vince McMahon to turn around and say, no, you can't do that? And so it, it kind of gets into that whole argument. Are these guys independent contractors or not? So, like I said, we'll talk about that. Beyond that, though, what made Punk even more upset, he was going to walk Chael Sonnen to the ring at a UFC fight, to the octagon. He was going to walk him down the aisle. I think he may have been WWE champion at that time. And Vince McMahon, when he told Vince, he said, no, I don't want you doing it. You're not allowed to do it. And and he said that Vince was appalled by the barbarism of UFC and that women were going to be fighting there. This was, this was a, a, a huge uh, disgrace to Vince McMahon. I guess it's okay for Vince to have women get down on all fours and bark like a dog and tell them to strip all in the name of entertainment right there's nothing wrong with that but women fighting in ufc that's barbaric we we can't have any of that 
A week later, there was Triple H walking Floyd Mayweather to the ring for a boxing fight, which apparently is not barbaric. Mixed martial arts, barbaric. Boxing, not barbaric. Okay. Punk said he learned his lesson at that point, which was that it was better to ask forgiveness than ask for permission. He should have just gone ahead and done it and not said anything to Vince and just dealt with the consequences after the fact. And that's another one where, you know, it would have been good publicity for WWE. Here's the WWE champion walking down the aisle with with this, you know, UFC fighter for a big fight. I think most of the shows that Punk were on, they used to show him on camera. They would identify who he was. Whenever Steve Austin was at a UFC show, they would put him on camera. Hey, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's not like, you know, they're they're, going to ignore Punk and it's going to be some kind of slight against WWE. Vince didn't see it that way. So that was another thing that happened that just rubbed Punk the wrong way. It's a double standard. How come this guy can do it and I can? Obviously, they're way up here and I'm way down here. Now, in the case of Brock Lesnar... Like I said, Brock is a big star. I get that. The Triple H thing, yeah, I I can see why Punk would be upset. And and for that to happen a week after that happened, I I, I get why he would be upset about that. And by the way, this whole double standard thing you'll you'll find is a a repeating theme when it comes to WWE. Uh, He said that he was offered a role in a WWE film, the 12-round sequel, that Randy Orton ended up starring in. I think he was like an uh, an EMS worker in that movie. Originally, it was offered to Punk. And Punk had a phone conversation with Triple H, and Triple H was like, all right, here's when the movie is shooting. And Punk was all gung-ho about doing it. Not that he thought it would be a good movie, but he thought, you know what, I get weekends off. I'm so freaking beat up. This is going to be great. I don't have to work house shows. I can heal up. I get to do a movie. Maybe it helps kickstart a, a future movie career for myself if people take notice. He's having this conversation with Triple H, and Triple H tells him the dates, and Punk is like, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure those dates conflict with the European tour that's coming up. And at the time, he was the champion, so he was doing everything that John Cena did, he was being a company guy, he's the champ, he knows he has to be, he would rather not go on the European tour, but he knows that he has to, and he tells Triple H, look, I'm I'm pretty sure those dates are the dates for the European tour. Triple H is like, no, no it's not. He's like, yes it is. Triple H is like, No, it's not. You would think somebody in Triple H's position would know this. Apparently he didn't. Punk did. They end the conversation. Triple H is like, I'll check on it. Well, sure enough, it was the European tour. Instead of calling Punk back or texting him and letting him know that he was right, and you know what, we do need you on that tour, so we're going to offer this to somebody else. The very next day, he finds out on WWE.com that Randy Orton will be the star of 12 Rounds 2. And Punk was pissed. He was livid and had every right to be. Not even livid so much that he wasn't getting the movie, just livid that Triple H couldn't even call him back and let him know. So that was just another example of something that the company did where he felt uh, disrespected. You know, at least give me a, a text, give me a phone call, let me know what's going on here. And Triple H apparently told him, well, you know, uh, we checked and uh, we couldn't change the shooting date, so Orton was plan B and we just went with Randy. That didn't make Punk very happy. He talks about John Cena. Speaking of other top stars in WWE, uh, he said that Punk is has had to turn down a whole bunch of different offers. I guess not just sponsorship stuff, but maybe other things as well. Uh, only to see John Cena doing the exact same thing immediately after. It's funny how that works. Get an opportunity, go to management, they turn you down. A week later, a month later, there's John Cena doing the same thing. 
he says he did a ton of Make-A-Wish stuff. He claims he did as much Make-A-Wish stuff as John Cena did. I don't know if that's true. Uh, he may have been exaggerating a little bit there. I don't doubt that Punk was doing Make-A-Wish and charity stuff. I'm sure a lot of guys do. A lot of guys do the Make-A-Wish stuff. He says the problem is the only guy they publicize for it is John Cena. Because he's got this image that has to be upheld. He's, you know, he's there, he's the face of the company. So fuck everybody else. And yeah, if you watch WWE television and the video packages they put together for the Make-A-Wish stuff and the Susan G. Komen stuff, you would think the only guy in that company doing any sort of charitable stuff is John Cena. Because that's the image that they have, they've cultivated for this guy. Not that he's not genuine. I don't think John Cena just does it for the publicity. Some people say that. I don't, I don't buy that. I, I think he, he's genuine about it. It's just that the company decides to only publicize him. You'll hear about other guys every now and then. Daniel Bryan, for example, uh, met with that kid Connor Michalik before he passed away, and uh, yeah, that was that was kind of a heartwarming thing. You'll hear stuff like that every now and then, but yeah, ninety-five percent of the time, absolutely, it's about John Cena, and that's all on the company. They can they can publicize anybody they want to. They make that choice. He says all Vince cares about is who's next for John Cena. Otherwise, they don't have plans for anybody. Never any long. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Term plans for anybody aside from John Cena. Which you can see clearly by watching, you know, watching television. And he tells the stories about how he would be in these pay-per-view programs. They would want him to lose to all these part-time guys who were not going to be there the next day. But he was. And, and fine, that's all well and good. But... They never had any plans for Punk. Well, what am I doing the next day after I lose? Oh, I don't know. So I'll be on the show. They won't. What am I doing? Oh, I don't know. He says he was constantly asking people, what's going on with compensation from the network? With the death of pay-per-view, you know, they never bothered to tell their own employees, let alone go public. They don't even know that they need to go public with that. You got to let the wrestlers know. Listen, pay-per-view is going away. It's a dying breed. This network is going to kill pay-per-view. Your payoffs are going to change. Well, how are they going to change? It's now November. As best as I can tell, based on reports, wrestlers talk to dirt sheets and they want to know what's going on. They're asking guys like Keller and Meltzer and Mike Johnson, hey, do you guys know what's going on? Because nobody's telling us a goddamn thing. This is still going on. It's now November. The network launched almost a year ago. And before the network ever launched, all Punk would do is ask questions about it. He asked Vince, and Vince would just laugh and tell him, well, we haven't figured that out yet. I remember Punk bringing that up in an interview he did. He did an interview in his house in Chicago with Ariel Helwani. Ariel came into his apartment, and they did this interview before the network even launched. So 
it was obvious that that was something that was bothering Punk even then because he brought it up in the interview. He said, I have no idea what's going on with payoffs. Nobody's told me a damn thing. He said even guys like Randy Orton were coming up to him and asking him if he knew anything about how the network was going to affect payoffs because nobody said a word about it. Then he gets into Ryback, which is one of the more interesting parts of the podcast. He is not a fan of Ryback. He refers to Ryback as steroid guy, says that he took 20 years off his life working with the guy, constantly being hurt by the dude. Uh, He talked about the table, which I remembered. He talked about the table spot uh, when they were feuding in uh, 2013, and Ryback was a a Paul Heyman guy. And they were going into, I think, a match at Hell in a Cell, which would have been a year after their first match at Hell in a Cell when Punk was the heel and Ryback was the face. Now the roles were kind of reversed. And it was an episode of Raw, and Ryback was going to give him a press slam. It was over by the stage, and there was a table set up. And he was supposed to press slam Punk through the table. The only problem is, Punk pretty much missed the table. He kind of glanced the edge of it and hit the concrete. And Punk was already hurt. He was already cranky and banged up at that point. And I think in the interview he said in landing, he was trying to compensate the way he kind of maneuvered his body for the landing. He got, he got hurt. And he was not happy about that at all. Uh, and in fact, he confronted Ryback after the thing because... When he found out he was working with Ryback again, after having already worked with him before, he was not happy about that, because Ryback was very green, he was sloppy, he was stiff, he had kicked Punk square in the ribs once and broken some ribs. Punk found out he was working with him, wasn't happy, says he went up to Ryback anyway and said, listen dude, clean slate, okay, whatever happened before, it's in the past, let's make this mid-card feud into a main event feud, let's throw it back in their face. And Ryback was all on board, and the first thing he does, he hurts Punk. So Punk confronts him and says, Hey, there's only two things possible that are going on here. Either you are dumb as fuck, or you're doing this to me on purpose. Which is it? I want to hear you admit it. And he says that Ryback said to him, I'm dumb as fuck. Sorry. So now all the memes, this is one of the the, the funnier things that come out of this podcast. Now all these memes online (laughs) with pictures of Ryback. Just with the words dumb as fuck. Uh, believe me, you're going to see plenty of, of dumb as fuck signs, I'm sure, in the weeks to come on television. Unless they confiscate them. Uh, so yeah, not a fan of Ryback. Ryback couldn't help himself. Probably will end up getting himself in more trouble than he needs. By responding on Twitter. Now, he, he responded with three tweets that he then deleted. Uh, but they were up for enough time for me to, to get them. He said, for the record, if I quit for being fragile and insecure, I would make up excuses too. Things didn't go my way for a long time, and I kept going day in and day out. Slander is a powerful thing, and to state uh, complete made-up nonsense for no reason shows his insecurities. I will continue to bust my ass, study matches every chance I get, cut promos when driving, and push myself for hours on end even when hurt. Uh, So then he took those tweets down. That was a series of three tweets. He put another one up that I think is still up now. It said, I will tell the truth about at CM Punk's comments in due time. Not once did he ever confront me. Let's all move on. To me, that just reads, he's, he's trying to cover his ass. He's making himself look worse than it has to be. I think the best thing for Ryback to have done was just to not say anything at all. Uh, but he's got a history of being reactionary, putting tweets up, taking them down. He posted another tweet of like eight different Ryback action figures surrounding a CM Punk action figure that he put through a table. Now look, If I was a wrestler and they came out with eight different action figures for me, I'd probably buy them all too, right? That'd be a fun thing to collect. Why the hell does he have a CM Punk action figure is what I want to know. 
<laughs> Nobody bothered asking that question. Uh, so yeah, Ryback not doing himself any favors. He talked about the Shield, claims that it was his idea. Uh, they didn't really have any long-term plans for him, or maybe they wanted to put like a heater with him or something. So what he wanted was he wanted guys from developmental. WWE's idea was they were going to put Big Show, Daniel Bryan, and Seth Rollins together with Punk. And they would kind of be his, I don't know, his group or his uh, hired guns, whatever. Uh, he suggested all three guys should be from what was FCW at that time. And he suggested Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Cassius Ono, okay, the, or, or Chris Hero as he's uh, now known. They suggested, okay, well, we'll, we'll go with the first two, but we're not going to go with, with Hero. How about we do Leaki? Leaki, who would go on to become Roman Reigns. He's like, fine. Then all of a sudden, plans changed, which pissed him off because the whole point was to build this group up so that he would have opponents to face off with after WrestleMania was over. That was, that was the goal. Mania would come and go, and he would have these guys, they would break up or whatever, and he would have these guys to, to work with, and he can help make them better as well by working with them, but it would give him something to do. Well, plans changed, and so instead they debuted them at Survivor Series. Uh, they beat up John Cena and Ryback. I forgot if Punk uh, was also in that match. I think he may have been. And uh, they, they really didn't have any direct connection with Punk. They did play it up on TV as though, you know, Punk had, like, hired them or Paul Heyman had hired them. They definitely played that aspect of it up on television, but there was never any real association on TV with The Shield and CM Punk. Nothing was ever revealed. Uh, they never did join him or anything like that. Uh, so he was very upset about that. He admits he tried to politic his way into the WrestleMania 29 main event last year. He wanted to make it a three-way with himself, Rock, and John Cena. He said, even if I lost, it didn't matter. They could have dragged... It could have dragged my title run to something like 500 days. It would have it would have been at at that point, and he would have lost it at WrestleMania. Even if they it was an elimination match and they got rid of me in the first five minutes, I wouldn't have cared. Now, when he said that, the first thing in my head was bullshit. I I don't buy that for a second. Had they gone through with that idea, and Punk was in the match and they got rid of him in the first three minutes, he would have pitched a fit. I, I don't buy that at all. But what it illustrates is how badly this guy wanted to be in the WrestleMania main event. He is obsessed, or he was, obsessed with being in the WrestleMania main event. And, you know, listening to him talk about it, I can appreciate his passion for setting that as a goal for himself. If I were in his shoes, I'd want to be in the WrestleMania main event too. And you know what? He probably did deserve it, especially that year. He probably did deserve it. But it's like, dude, let it go. Enough is enough. Now, truth be told, Rock vs. Cena was probably the bigger draw with Rock coming in as the champion and not keeping the belt on Punk. Uh, but, yes, the match sucked. And Punk vs. Undertaker stole the show that year. Easily. I don't think there's any debate about that. Uh, from a match quality standpoint and from a storytelling standpoint, putting the two best guys in WWE at that time against each other one-on-one -on -one in the main event of the biggest show of the year... Uh, that's how it should have been, but it should have been Punk vs. Cena, if, if it were me. Absolutely, I do agree with that. And forget the three-way aspect. In a perfect world, it really should have been Punk and Cena. That number one contenders match they had on Raw uh, in February could have easily been a WrestleMania main event. They went out there and had a WrestleMania-caliber main event on Raw, like a month and a half before. Uh, did he get screwed on that one? 
Yeah, probably. But it's it's still, let it go. Just go out there and steal the show midway through and put the screws to those guys, which is exactly what he did. Uh, but it reminded me of Rock vs. Cena 2 that year, which, that match sucked. I don't care what anybody, I was in the building that night for it. That match sucked. And I went back and I watched it. I figured maybe the TV version is uh, is better to it. You know, I thought their first match was good. Although in the first match they had in Miami, which I was also at, you know, there was a lot of, like, dead space in that match. And Rock was clearly gassed halfway through. Uh, not necessarily a good thing to rely on John Cena, of all people, to help carry you through a match. I thought it was good. It was a big attraction. You know, crowd went crazy for it, especially when Rock won. They were in Miami. Uh, but that rematch, boy, I mean, that match sucked. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, I've never seen, and this is a, a... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Habit that WWE has, Ring of Honor has, and I think it's just a wrestling thing now. Where in a big time match You've got to constantly kick out of And reverse out of everybody's finishers If if there was a A match I would point to Where it was done the right way And it made for a better match I'd point to Shawn Michaels Undertaker At Wrestlemania 25 Because they had It was really nailing finishers and kicking out It wasn't constantly reversing out of moves That Rock Cena, that second match All they did for like 10 minutes straight at the end AA attempt Slips out, rock bottom, one, two, three, oh, kick out. Rock bottom attempt, no, he counters it with elbows, gets him on his shoulders, AA, no, he slips out, rock bottom, no, he slips, and over, and over, and over again. To the point where it's like, okay, these guys are, they obviously have no idea what to do, they're completely devoid of ideas, two of the biggest stars in the history of this company don't know what to do, so they keep going back to the well over and over again. Uh, Maybe Rock was hurt, and that had something to do with it, who the hell knows, but... Uh, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I just wanted to say, Rock Cena 2 sucked. It was no good. So Punk says, fuck The Rock. WrestleMania is sold on the name only, not who's on the card. This is another point. When I heard this, I said, not quite. Uh, and the numbers the numbers just don't support his claim. He's he's dead wrong on that point. I think he wants to believe that because, again, he's he's just very upset that he didn't get that spot. It should have been his spot. They're putting Rock in there. There's no excuse to put Rock in there because WrestleMania draws on the name only and not the name, uh, you know, the, the star power of who you put on the show. It's true that WrestleMania is largely sold based on the name. If you don't have any big stars, there's no Rock, there's no Undertaker, no Austin, Sting, okay, if it was just a WrestleMania card with who they have now, WrestleMania would still do the biggest numbers of any show they do all year. Uh, it will be a big event, but when you put somebody on the card... Like The Rock, who at the time was still fresh, you know, in Miami, it was his first singles match in like eight years, uh, biggest movie star in the world, to say that his name on the marquee or his name in the main event doesn't bring in more money and bring in new eyeballs is just, it's just a fucking lie. It doesn't, it doesn't ring true. And if you look up the WrestleMania buy rates, so I did the nerdy thing, I went back and I looked up the WrestleMania buy rates, WrestleMania 26, which was the year before The Rock came back. Okay, that was the show in 2010 in Phoenix. 
885,000 buys. Not a bad number, maybe a little disappointing for a WrestleMania. You would expect it maybe to do a little bit better, but not a bad number. 885, okay? The following year, WrestleMania 27, which was the first WrestleMania where The Rock was back in the company. He didn't have a match. He hosted WrestleMania that year. But WrestleMania was built largely not around John Cena vs. The Miz, because nobody gave a shit about John Cena vs. The Miz. It was all about The Rock and John Cena. Most of the promos going into WrestleMania that year had nothing to do with The Miz. It was all Rock and Cena. And and so they were selling the show off the idea that, hey, what's going to happen between Rock and Cena? Are they going to fight? Is it going to explode between the two of them? That WrestleMania that year, which on paper was... Not a very strong show. I mean, there was really no big marquee attraction on the show that year on paper. Did 1,042,000 buys. I can tell you right now, that ain't because of John Cena versus The Miz. That's because of The Rock and the dynamic between The Rock and John Cena. Over a million buys that WrestleMania did. WrestleMania 28, which was the first Rock-Cena match. Okay, Probably the biggest match they could have done. I mean, for years, people referred to Rock for Cena as a dream match. You know, other than stuff like Undertaker and Sting, it was one of the last true possible dream matches that they could do. And they got their dream match, and they booked it as the main event in The Rock's hometown of Miami. That WrestleMania did, I think it was about 1.3 million buys. It either beat the previous record, which was the Donald Trump Battle of the Billionaire stuff, WrestleMania 23, or possibly, I think, when they revised the numbers, it might have just fallen under that. So, WrestleMania 28 is either the biggest WrestleMania of all time, at least in terms of buy rate, or just shy of that. Again, that was all Rock vs. Cena. I know there was a big Undertaker, Triple H, Hell in a Cell, End of an Era. I'm sure that was an attraction for a lot of the wrestling fans. That did not do 1.3 million buys. That was all Rock and Cena. WrestleMania 29. The Rock-Cena rematch in the main event. 1,048,000 buys. So not as strong, but still a big number. And you also had Brock on that show, his first WrestleMania since 19. Uh, was there any drawing power left with Brock at that point? You know, in, in that was the second Triple H match. Maybe. Maybe there were some people who bought Mania to see Brock in, in a big match. Uh, and again, Undertaker Punk stole the show. I, I was looking forward mostly to that match. But the business they did on that show was largely Rock Cena. Rock going in with the championship and defending in the main event. So I understand why he would be pissed at Dwayne, as he calls him, and very upset that they would put the Rock over him. They put the Rock over him for good reason. At the end of the day, it's a business. Okay, They want to make money. You have a guy like the Rock, who you can put in the main event, you could put the belt on him, and he could take that belt all over the world when he's doing press for all of his movies. He's got the belt on The Tonight Show and all this other stuff, you'd be foolish not to do that. You'd be foolish. So I think in that case, it's just more him lashing out because he's still bitter about that. Totally understandable. But you can't say that WrestleMania is sold just on the name. That's bullshit. The numbers prove you wrong. That's complete bullshit. Uh, He was talking about how he was constantly booked uh, to lose to guys who weren't there the next day. I kind of mentioned that earlier. Um, And he rattled off a bunch of names. He said The Rock... He lost to The Rock twice. Uh, He mentioned Undertaker. He mentioned Brock Lesnar. He mentioned Triple H. Again, that's a lot of names. It's not like uh, if it was just The Rock or it was Brock. I I think WWE was right to do what they did. You know, to put the belt on Rock, I think was big business for them. I think to 
lose to The Undertaker. There's no shame in that. Plenty of guys have lost to The Undertaker. I mean, the streak was a big deal. You know what? The streak had a lot to do uh, with with the uh, the draw of WrestleMania. I, I mean, that alone is not going to draw like a million buys, but I mean, that was as big a part of WrestleMania as almost anything else. So for him to lose to Undertaker, who was already very old and broken down as compared to a guy like Punk, yeah, I mean, is it kind of unrealistic? I guess, but you know what? It's The Undertaker. It's the streak. You can overlook that. Plenty of other guys, including Triple H twice, Shawn Michaels twice, have lost to that guy at WrestleMania because it was, and I hate to use this expression, but it was it was best for business. It was. The streak was good for business. And so I don't necessarily uh, think that there was anything wrong with him losing to those guys. But, you know, he lost to Brock as well, which also probably was the right thing to do. The Triple H one, I'm going to save for later on because he brings that up again. That absolutely was not the right thing to do. That goes back to 2011 when Triple H came out of retirement, beat him, and went right back into retirement, which was completely stupid. Uh, But again, I can understand why he would be frustrated. He's not wrong when he says every single one of those guys was not wrestling the next night. They may not have even been on the show the next night. They're, they're, they're not wrestling again for months after that. He's going to be there. And it was a combination of him having to lose to these guys, be on TV the next night, and not have any plan of where to go next. I get that. It would frustrate me too. At least if there's a plan, if you've got an idea for me, okay, listen, you're going to lose to this guy. But you're going to lose, you're going to be more over because of it, and the next night we're going to start your program with this guy, and it's going to be great. And here's where we want to go with it. And based on what Punk is saying, it seems like they never really had a plan. They never had a plan. Uh, Now we get into the medical stuff, which to me is the most damning part of this interview. Uh, He tells a story, he, he had a lump on his lower back. This would have been later in 2013. Sometime in the fall. And he goes to the doctor, and he named the doctor, Dr. Chris Amon. If you saw his face, you would know who he is. You've seen him. He's not the guy who saved Jerry Lawler's life, the other, the other guy. So he goes to the WWE doctor and says, listen, you know, what is this? And the guy's like, well, it looks like a, uh, it looks like a, a fatty deposit. Because Punk wanted him to cut it out. Apparently there's this weird tradition in the WWE locker room. Guys have things lanced and cut from them all the time. And the other wrestlers love to crowd around and watch I don't know why, but they do. So he, he's like, just cut it out. And the guy's like, no, it, it's, it doesn't hurt you. He goes, well, no. He goes, well, I wouldn't worry about it. So this went on and on and on. He went back to the doctor another one or two times and said, well, it's getting bigger and now it's turning colors. And I guess at that time it still didn't hurt him because they, they would ask him, does it hurt? Be like, no. Okay, well, then I'm not going to cut it out. Finally, he comes to the Royal Rumble, the day of the Royal Rumble, this year. And he goes to Dr. Amen and he says, now it's hurting. Not only does it hurt, it's humongous. It's purple. Cut this fucking thing out of my back. And the doctor says, I can't do it. You got to work the Rumble match. And, and Punk was entering the Rumble, I think, at number one or two this year. So he was going to be in there for a while, you know, bumping around, laying on his back. He goes, I, I can't. You may need a stitch. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I can't do it. And Punk said, I don't care. I want you to cut this thing out of my back. And the doctor's like, I can't. I can't do it. So he goes through the rumble and he suffered a concussion off a of Kofi Kingston clothesline in the rumble. So he was knocked for a loop and actually motioned the doctor over. And the doctor's like, well, what do you want me to do? And Punk just Punk just said, I, I just laughed it off. You, know, like, you must be the dumbest fucking doctor on the face of the earth. I'm sure Punk did not want to uh, to leave the match, but if WWE is as strict as they like to think, or people like to think they are when it comes to concussions and injuries and stuff, the protocol in that case, if they think Punk has a concussion or Punk is telling you, listen, my head hurts, I have a concussion, you know, like if this were a real sport, there is no debate, there is no argument. You can pitch a fit all you want to, you're out, and they would take you out of the match. In this case, the doctor's like, well, I don't know, what do you want me to do? So anyway, Punk just laughed it off. He comes backstage when the rumble is over. And he goes up to the doctor and he says, in no uncertain terms, cut this fucking thing out of my back right now. And the doctor said, no. He said, if I did that, I would have to put you on antibiotics. The problem with that is he had already put Punk on antibiotics months earlier when Punk first told him about this. He just, he just put him on him. Say so now he's been taking antibiotics for two, three months. The doctor doesn't want to put him on another... Uh, regimen of them. I mean, for months there, they were giving the guys Z-Packs like they were fucking candy. And for those who don't know what a Z-Pack is, it's uh, azithromycin. It's a form of antibiotic. I've taken it, you know, a lot of times before. Uh, you take it for like five days. You know, and when you take any antibiotic, you really can't like, oh, I feel better now. I'm going to stop and not take the rest of it. They tell you it's very important. you got to finish it out so you don't build up a resistance to it. Uh, you know, they're, they're powerful drugs, and they were giving out Z-Packs like fucking candy. And Punk even said, you know, they put me on all these drugs that did nothing except I, I had to suffer from the side effects. So he was concussed, and now he's on this antibiotic medication he doesn't need. He's telling stories about being overseas on tour. After every match, he was bent over. He, you know, he was just so nauseous. He was dry heaving. He was vomiting. He, he shared the story that I wasn't aware of, that apparently on an episode of SmackDown during that period, he shit his pants on television. And then I guess he tweeted about it, and WWE made him take down the tweet. Uh, but yeah, the guy shit his pants on television. He would have horrible diarrhea from being on this medication that they were giving him. And I can sympathize with the guy because I was put on antibiotic medication earlier this year. Uh, it was actually when I went down to, uh, to New Orleans for WrestleMania. I had, like, strep throat, and they put me on something. They, they couldn't give me some because I'm allergic to some of them. So they put me on this thing called clindamycin, which I had never taken before. And I will say this. You know, if you have any sort of bad bacteria, if you have any other issue related to that, 
that shit will knock it out in 24 hours, okay? It had unintended side effects that cleared up other stuff that was going on within a day, day and a half. But, unfortunately, the the other side effects, for me, and this may be different for other people, were horrible. It completely fucked up my stomach. It, it does. It, like, ruins the lining of your stomach. I mean, I wasn't right for, for a good six weeks after that. I didn't have the kind of really disgusting, nasty problems that Punk apparently had. Don't think for a second I wasn't worried about that. Now I have to fly in an airplane to go to New Orleans. Imagine the thoughts that are running through my head. I'll be on the airplane and I'll be, I'll become public enemy number one to anybody who has to use that bathroom. It, it's a horrible thing, and these drugs are not to be are not to be taken just like they're fucking cold medication that you would get over the counter. And they were doling this shit out according to Punk like it was nothing, and it wasn't helping him. If anything, it was doing more harm than good. So. Skipping ahead a little bit here, he has that meeting, which we'll get into, the day after the Rumble when he when he walked out. He had the meeting with Vincent Hunter. And it took his wife, it took AJ to say to him, listen, why don't you go see my doctor in Tampa? Take, and let him take a look at that. And he goes, and the doctor doesn't even touch it. He just kind of looks at it, and he goes, that's a staph infection. You have MRSA. And he goes into very... Uh, disgusting detail about the doctor squeezing it and uh, pus was hitting the ceiling. It was going all over the place. He said it was the worst pain he's ever experienced in his life. And if you watched his DVD, he talked when he was much younger, cracking his skull. He, like, fractured his skull. Never went to the hospital, I don't think, to have it fixed. He just let it heal up on his own. All the different injuries that he's had from wrestling all those years. This was the most painful thing, having the doctor drain this this lump, this staph infection on his back, worst pain he's ever experienced. And then the doctor put him on three months' worth of the correct antibiotic to to fight the infection because MRSA is also nothing to be fucked with. Bob Holly almost lost his arm because of a MRSA infection, which he talks about in his book. I did a whole book review on uh, on Bob Holly's book, which you can find on my YouTube channel. I don't remember if I if I went into detail about that particular story uh, but I've seen it mentioned online and it reminded me because it's been a while since I read the book but yeah he almost lost his arm because John Laurinaitis was like well we really need you on this European tour and Holly's like I, I got this problem here I got a staph infection and, and Laurinaitis well we really need you to go overseas they really needed him to go overseas to wrestle in a fucking battle royal on the undercard guy almost lost his arm I mean, it's it's very serious stuff. And the doctor said to him, he goes, when did you first see that lump? And Punk was like three months ago. And the doctor's like, you should be dead right now. It's a miracle that you're even alive. So Punk says he was wrestling for three months with a staph infection that was either ignored, flat out ignored, by the WWE doctor, or was just misdiagnosed. Imagine how many other wrestlers that that doctor sees in a given week, in a month, in a year... And it really, it, it's its a scary thought. I mean, what makes this whole thing worse, if it's true, is that they allowed this guy to work with a potentially deadly staph infection that could have easily spread to the entire roster because these guys worked on the same mats night in and night out. And Punk, he told another story, you know, when he had the knee injury. I, I think Dr. Uh, James Andrews uh, did the operation. And he spoke of them having Dr. Andrews clear him over the phone after knee surgery so that he could come back early to wrestle. They wanted him to come back. He said, well, I have... To, look, I don't got my clearance from Dr. Andrews. And they were like, oh, don't worry about that. He already cleared you over the phone. 
I think this would have been before the TLC match that they wanted him to come back for on Raw against Ryback. He referred to it as like witch doctory bullshit. What is what is this? How do you clear somebody over the phone? It's a valid question. How does somebody get clear from a knee injury over the phone without actually having the doctor examine you? All of this begs the question. Is there pressure being put on doctors in WWE to make sure that these guys are cleared to wrestle? And I know before people throw it in my face, yes, there's a lot of guys who right now are being kept out against their will because they're hurt, as they should be. Daniel Bryan, okay, and and Roman Reigns. But Daniel Bryan, he had neck surgery. Okay, We're talking extreme circumstances here where even the company, there really is nothing they can do to force these guys to come back early. Okay, he had neck surgery. Now he's got nerve issues that hopefully are are getting better. Uh, Roman Reigns, he, yeah, he's out because he had to be taken on a stretcher to the emergency room because the guy's intestines were pushing out of his guts. Not exactly injuries you could just put a Band-Aid on and send those guys back out there. What about everybody else? You know, I mean, it begs the question. Now, they do make the developmental talent now wear padded helmets when they practice to make, uh, you know, to try to prevent against concussions. They have taken some positive steps. I don't think this should be, hey, let's bash WWE. They want their wrestlers to die. They have taken some positive steps, but it seems like there may be a deeper problem beneath all of these outward measures that needs to be looked at. I mean, we're talking about people's health here. And if they got nothing to hide and Punk is full of hot air, then fine, let it come out. But I think it's worth looking into. These questions have to be asked. So Punk said it boils down to this. He left after the Royal Rumble for one main reason. There were a lot of different issues, but there was one main reason. He left because of his health. He says he got the concussion after the Kofi clothesline of the Rumble. He knows it was a concussion. He shows up at television the next day. They give him their impact test, which the head of their wellness program, I think Dr. Joseph Maroon, I think he kind of invented this this concussion test. And they're giving him the test, and Punk is like, I'm sitting there taking a concussion test as I text Colt Cabana with my headphones on, and they tell me I passed. And I know I have a concussion, but they tell me I passed. And then they say, well, why don't you go run the ropes? And this infuriated him. And his, his argument is logical. You're telling me I passed your concussion test, yet you want me to run the ropes just to make sure. That tells me your test is bullshit. And he says, I'm not running the ropes. I know I have a concussion. I know I'm hurt. Your test sucks. Then comes the meeting with Vince McMahon and Triple H backstage at Raw the night after the Rumble. This was the meeting that we've heard nothing about. We know that it was the three of them in there. What was discussed has not come out until now, at least Punk's version of what happened. He says they asked him to take a piss test before the upcoming tour. I guess there was some kind of tour coming up. And he refused. And Triple H piped up, made a comment, and said, Well, you know... Dave Batista just took a piss test. And Punk says he looked right at Triple H and said to him, Did you? And Triple H had nothing to say. And I'm reminded when I heard that of a story Scott Steiner told years ago about his WWE run where they wanted him to take a drug test. And this was pre-wellness policy, so I'm not even sure what kind of drug policy they had in place at the time. But they wanted him to take a test. And he told them, fine, have Triple H who he would have been feuding with at that time, have Triple H pick me up in a limo, and we'll take the drug test together. And after that, he says, he never heard about it again. There was no follow-up. There was nothing. Uh, You can't have a different set of rules for different people. 
You just can't. And clearly that's what's been going on now for a long time. Uh, He talked about them changing the wellness policy as another example of that. To protect guys who already have two strikes, which has been dubbed by some people as the Orton rule. Because Randy Orton already has two strikes. Some people think he probably should have more than that. Uh, But he's got two strikes and he's one of their top stars. You know, they don't want to lose him. And they actually, I think it was last year, very quietly amended the policy. Uh, I think they have a name for it. It's it's like the uh, redemption program or something where you can have a strike erased. Some stupid bullshit like that that really should not be. You know, if you got two strikes, you got two strikes. The only way to keep guys like that honest is to keep the, the sword hanging over their head. All of a sudden, if you give them a chance to wipe out some of the strikes, it's a joke. It turns your policy into a joke. Punk said, he said, I was like, you know, you're going to fucking amend the fucking drug policy because of people who have two strikes and they can fucking either fail again or work one of the strikes off, continue to do drugs, and you're going to tell me that I have to take another piss test. That's what he said. Again, I understand why he would be frustrated. Different sets of rules for different people. Another revelation here, as he recounted his meeting with Vincent Triple H, is the admission, and I was so happy to hear this, The admission that the WrestleMania 30 main event this year was supposed to be, as it was reported by some of the so-called dirt sheets at the time, Batista against Randy Orton. And the number two match on the show would have been CM Punk against Triple H, which, if you paid any attention, if you remember that episode of Raw, the go-home show to the TLC pay-per-view when they were building up the, the big unification match between John Cena and Randy Orton as, like, the greatest match of all time, and they had all the legends in the ring, all the former champions... And they had that great, great, great show-closing angle where there's like a big brawl and Triple H shoves down CM Punk and CM Punk gets up and goes after Triple H and then Shawn Michaels super kicks Punk and then Daniel Bryan gives Shawn Michaels the flying knee and then Stephanie accidentally gets knocked. It was a great angle. But they were already planting the seeds in December for Punk versus Triple H with that angle. So it was obvious that was the direction they were going in. So that would have been the number two match. Uh, I guess the number three match would have been uh, John Cena and Bray Wyatt because there's no way that John Cena is going to be in anything less than, at the very least, the third match from the top. And that meant that number four, and I think it would, it might have been PW Insider at the time that first reported this, like at least two months before, was the plan was for Sheamus against Daniel Bryan. And there were plenty of people, oh, well, that's, give me a break. The dirt sheets strike again. They don't know what they're talking about. How It makes no sense. Clearly, they're building to Daniel Bryan getting his big championship win or getting his big WrestleMania main event in New Orleans. And now we know, as if we didn't already know, that that's not the case. And that, in fact, the original card had Batista against Orton in the main event, not Daniel Bryan. And I just, I was so happy to hear him admit that so we can put all of this, it was all part of the plan bullshit, to rest once and for all. I can't tell you how many times I heard that from people. It's all part of the plan. All you want to do is bash WWE. Can't you give them credit? You know what? I will give them credit. I will give them credit for, in the end, delivering exactly what the WrestleMania main event this year should have been. I don't care if you're a Daniel Bryan fan, if you think he's a goat-faced, boring, vanilla troll, that's fine. You don't have to like Daniel Bryan. The fact is, he was the focal point, largely, going back to when he got screwed by the Orton cash-in at SummerSlam last year. The whole story that the company was built around was Daniel Bryan against the Authority. 
And it cooled down a little bit there when they did the title unification. It looked like they were starting to take some of the focus off of him. He wasn't even going to be in the Royal Rumble match. He lost in the opening match to Bray Wyatt at the Rumble this year because Big Dave was coming back, and they probably figured, hey, Batista's going to come back as this great big conquering babyface. And things didn't exactly work out the way they had planned. Uh, The reason plans changed was a combination of Batista getting the reaction he did upon his return, and then that forced them to turn him heel, and CM Punk walking out. That's the only reason that Daniel Bryan got his WrestleMania title match this year. And I will give them credit for following through, because they could have been stubborn as all hell and said, there's no way we're putting the belt on this small guy. You know what? We're going to stick to our plans, or we're going to change plans, and we'll put John Cena... The old fallback plan. Let's put John Cena back in the main event. And they didn't do that. So I will give WWE credit for that. But I don't want to hear this nonsense about they deserve credit because, you know, all along, this was the plan. Bullshit. Enough. Just like Jim Ross wasn't fired. Except when he came out and said that he was. But I guess that's not true either. It's amazing the lengths that some people will go to hang on to this notion They're so viciously loyal to the product. These people can do no wrong. You people don't know what you're talking about. It's the dirt sheets. It's this, it's that. Finally, we can put this shit to bed. It's amazing how many people still thought that was the plan going back to SummerSlam. As though these people actually can come up with a WrestleMania plan as far back as SummerSlam. Give me a break. The stuff with Triple H is what I found to be the most fascinating because... It was always obvious to me the two guys probably didn't like each other, even if you go back to when they feuded on television all those years ago. Uh, it, it was kind of, uh, I guess in that way, almost like a Brett Sean dynamic where it, it came through in their words and just the way they kind of acted around each other that there's probably a lot of truth to what they're saying, but they're just trying to pretend that there's no truth there. Uh, and he even said, he goes, he never liked Hunter. Hunter never liked him. It was always a bad vibe when they were in the room together. Uh, And he said to Triple H, he goes, you know, listen, that was the planned match of WrestleMania, and I think Punk even said the plan was for him to win. I mean, who knows? He said, I don't need to wrestle you. You need to wrestle me. And he said to Triple H straight up, I still resent you beating me in that match three years ago. That was not best for business, he said. And that's absolutely true. And and you'll have people who say, oh, what a crybaby, he's still bitching about a match He lost the match three years ago, you know, but he's right. I mean, I get people who will sometimes send in questions to me as part of the mailbag for the sound off, and and this whole thing gets drudged up again, and I give them the same answer every time. I, all these years later, you know, sometimes you think maybe there's a reason for it. Six months down the road, oh, it all makes sense. Now it's three years later, and I still don't get it. Punk was, was white hot at that time. He was the hottest thing all of wrestling, after he beat Cena for that championship at Money in the Bank, coming off the pipe bomb promo, and he went away. They only kept him off television for like a week, which was the first mistake. Because uh, there was a lot of excitement, like, oh, where's Punk going to end up next? He put the belt in his refrigerator. Where's he going to, is he going to take it to another wrestling show? Is he going to take it to a ball game? Like, where's he going to go? And they just couldn't help themselves, and they brought him back the next week uh, so they can have the rematch at SummerSlam. But he was the hottest thing in wrestling, and it's just, you know, it shouldn't be odd to me, but it is odd to me that all of a sudden Triple H, who was not a full-time active performer at that time, he wrestled maybe once a year even then, basically comes out of retirement so he can work a program with the hottest act in the entire company. 
and it builds to one match on pay-per-view that Triple H wins. And there's no follow-up. There was never a rematch. In fact, the plan had been for Punk to go uh, one-on-one with Kevin Nash, of all people. I think at the following pay-per-view. Actually, no, I think the plan was for him to wrestle Nash at that show. And then Nash supposedly had, like, a heart issue. He was taking Plavix, and it caused some kind of problem. And I love how they never revisited that either. I mean, probably for the better. But I love how Kevin Nash left Punk laying with, like, three jackknife powerbombs on television. Punk never did get his, uh, his revenge. So they kind of rushed it. I guess the plan may have been for uh, Punk and Triple H at Survivor Series. They did it at Night of Champions instead. And yes, Punk got to kick out of the dreaded pedigree three different times. Not even poor Booker T at WrestleMania 19 had that honor. But he lost. Hottest act in the company. And they beat him. With with almost like a non-wrestler at that point. And Triple H went back into his little sheltered retirement until WrestleMania the following year, never followed up on it, never a rematch, nothing. It's almost like, w- explain to me what the point of this was. If if Steve Austin, back in 1997, who was gaining a lot of steam and really starting to come into his own as a top act, and he was building momentum, the hottest thing in wrestling, and unfortunately he got hurt, and they were smart in that they found ways to keep him on television while he healed from the neck injury, but it would almost be the equivalent of having... You know, I, I mean, I can't even think of a name off the top of my head. Hulk Hogan or fucking Bruno San Martino coming out of retirement. They do this big marquee match at a pay-per-view in late 97 and just have them beat him. Why? I don't know. He gets the rub, brother. I don't know. That wouldn't have made any sense, and neither did this. So I was happy to hear him bring that up as well, and that apparently Triple H had no answer for it. He said Triple H the whole time was just gritting his teeth. Obviously very pissed off, had nothing to say. Of course he has nothing to say. Of course he does. There's no there's no answer for it. What's he going to say? So he ended the meeting by telling Vince, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not happy. I'm beat up. I'm hurt. I feel lied to. It's not fun anymore. I have no passion for this. I'm done. And he says Vince, with, with tears in his eyes, stood up. He wanted to give him a hug. He really didn't want to hug him, so he kind of gave him like a half hug. Triple H put his arm out, he shook Triple H's hand, and he said, goodbye, and he left, and he never looked back. Uh, And the other uh, thing that came out of this that nobody seemed to be aware of is the fact that he he walked out, and I guess they were told, or he was told, maybe even in the meeting, I don't remember, but uh, Vince said that they were going to suspend him for, I think, two months, maybe, or something like that. So he knew he was missing WrestleMania, not a big deal. It was almost like the way he was talking left the door open that maybe at some point he might come back. He wasn't, like, at that point saying, I'm never coming back, I'm done, you know, F you, we're completely through. You know, so he was suspended. And then he comes to find out later on, he heard what Vince said, you know, a few months later on the conference call that he was asked about Punk, and he said, well, uh, Punk is on a sabbatical right now. What the hell that means, who the hell knows. He was about to get married to AJ. This was back in mid-June, and he got a... I think he said it was a text uh, from Triple H asking if he had time to talk, and Punk was like, look, I'm getting married. I'm going on my honeymoon. I've always been available to talk. Nobody's wanted to talk to me. When I get back from my honeymoon, we'll talk. And Triple H, according to him, never got back to him, never texted him back. The day of his wedding, I think they FedExed him his termination papers. He received termination papers, very strategically received them on his wedding day. And in Punk's own words, he said, that was going too fucking far. 
Uh, and that really is a, a shitty thing to do. I mean, whatever side of the fence you're on, if you're looking at it from WWE's perspective, we gave this guy everything. He made a lot of money. He became a big star. He's got a nice house or whatever. All the things that the things that he has and he wants, it's because of us. And he walked out on us at the most important time of year. And so fuck this guy. We're going to fire him. Fine. I mean, I can understand them feeling that way too. But to fire the guy in his wedding day is the ultimate sign of pettiness, obviously. Not surprising from a company that has been very petty before. Especially on television, the way they treat some people sometimes. Uh, so that was that was new. Wasn't aware of that. That's really shitty. So that really pissed off Punk. Uh, he tried to not let it affect him through the wedding and the honeymoon and everything, but he was pissed. So what he did was he went out and he found himself a, a real bulldog lawyer out in Los Angeles who told him, hey, let's, <laughs> let's fuck these guys over and get, you know, get what we can get, get what we deserve. And uh, they reached a settlement. And Punk, according to him, got everything he wanted. I guess in terms of the royalties that he talks about in the interview, they were holding back from him that he felt he was owed. He said he got everything he wanted. WWE wanted him to sign an agreement that basically said neither side will talk trash publicly about the other. We'll sign a non-disparage agreement and we'll go our separate ways. Uh, It's kind of similar to what Del Rio, I believe, recently signed. And Punk said, fuck you. I'm not signing anything. And they settled anyway, which is interesting. It makes me think, you know, there's a lot of truth, or there may be a lot of truth to Punk's claims that he's making here, and they know it. And even though he refused to sign the agreement, they wanted to make this go away as quickly and as quietly as possible. So they made the deal, they gave him everything he wanted, they gave him what he was owed and what he deserved, and even though he refused to sign the deal, they made it anyway, and I just think that's very telling. Uh, He said he is completely done. He is free and clear of WWE and any obligations related to them. They will never, ever, ever, according to Punk, have a working relationship ever again. And we always say, or we always hear people use the expression, never say never in wrestling. And look at all the guys over the years that came back from Hogan to Bret Hart. took 12 years, but he came back. If there was ever a a case where I, I took this as truth, I think it would be this case. Uh, I think it's safe to say that Punk will never be back. And, I mean, look at it like this. Vince McMahon's going to be 70 years old next year. Who knows how much longer he'll be around for. He'll be in power if he ever steps aside. The heir apparent to the throne, unless they sell the company, which I don't see them doing, is going to be Triple H and Stephanie. And there'll be, you know, other people, whether it's a George Barrios or Michelle Wilson. I think Vince even said the long-term goal for the company, he doesn't want it to be a family company. He wants to bring people in from the outside. So five, ten years down the road, I mean, maybe it's not Triple H. Maybe it's somebody completely outside the wrestling bubble that's running the show in WWE. But if it is Triple H and Triple H and Stephanie are going to be around, they're not going anywhere, they're probably going to run the place... And apparently Triple H is furious with Punk. He wants to kill CM Punk. Stephanie McMahon, I heard, I mean, I heard stories about that six months ago, that Stephanie hates CM Punk, even hates the mentioning of his name. You have these two people that hate this guy so much, and this guy hates them, and eventually these are going to be the people running the company. You know, say what you want to about Vince and his ability to kind of make amends with people and bring them back, even if they seemingly burn bridges. I think it's safe to say, just based on where the, the future of this company is going... There will never be another relationship between the two sides again. He is done. He is finished. According to him, he's done with wrestling, period. 
Uh, I wouldn't put that past him as far as maybe at some point he gets some of that passion back and wants to make a deal to go somewhere, even just to work one match. That, I would say, is always a possibility. You you can't really say for sure. Uh, But I think it's safe to say for sure he will not be back in WWE. Uh, He will not be back for a Hall of Fame induction. I think that's safe to say as well. Uh, He also, he took a dig at Chris Jericho, which was kind of surprising at the end. Um, He actually, I think he did mention Jericho by name. And I was watching an interview. I want to say that it was Jericho and, not Sam Roberts, um, it was the other guy from Hot 97. Uh, Oh my God. Oh, Peter Rosenberg. He did an in-studio interview. I think it was the interview with Rosenberg. And Punk came up. And Jericho said, yeah, you know, it's a bummer because I thought, you know, we were friends and I I had texted him a while back about something completely unrelated to wrestling. It was about, like, music because I guess maybe they have this, they share the same interest in music. Maybe it was about somebody that was going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame earlier. I don't remember. It was something like that. And he goes, he never got a response. He said Punk just ignored him. He never heard back. And he said, it's a bummer, you know, that, you know, you make friends and just to leave them high and dry. I mean, that, that's all he said. I, I remember seeing that interview, and that might have been what Punk was referring to, and apparently it really pissed off Punk, because he was seemingly very upset about it. And he said, you know, look, I talk to the people who are friends of mine. If you've tried to reach out to me, and you haven't heard back, and if I don't talk to you, it's because you have an agenda. And all you're interested in is getting the big scoop for your podcast you know, and and being able to say, hey, I spoke to Punk, and here's what he said, you have an agenda. So if you haven't heard from me, that's why. And it was, you know, that was was quite the dig at Jericho. We'll see if Jericho has anything to say about that on his show this week. Uh, And Punk, and I wanted to circle back to this before we wrap up here. Punk brought up the whole independent contractor label when it comes to wrestlers. Uh, he says, you know, the company, he, he says the company only does concussion testing to cover their ass. Uh, he mentioned the NFL has a players union that forces, is forcing the NFL to pay for old injuries now and medical uh, concerns that the players have. And, uh, and WWE is doing it to just be able to say that they're doing it. I don't believe that WWE does not give a shit about the health and welfare of its wrestlers. I don't, or at least not everybody in the company. I don't believe that. But, you know, facts are facts. If you go back to, for example, when Vince McMahon gave congressional testimony, so this goes back to, like, 2007, uh, and the testimony, which I think was supposed to be sealed, came out, and they asked him about the wellness policy, and they asked him, I want to say it wasn't about the wellness policy, but it was about uh, the program they started when they were sending letters out every year to anybody who has ever worked for them, that if they need substance abuse help they would help pay for their rehab which is a really cool thing for them to do and whatever their motives and whatever their intentions may be the fact that they're even doing that i think is pretty cool but vince mcmahon admitted under oath in front of congress the reason for the move was public relations those were his words find the transcript he admitted it it's all pr now if i'm a guy in his shoes yeah Sure, I, I, I mean, all of these things make for good PR for the company. I'm not going to say that doesn't factor into it, but it was very sobering hearing him under oath admit that it's all just PR. That's why they're doing it. So if that's the mindset when it comes to stuff like that, 
then it's not unrealistic to think that when it comes to the concussion stuff and now Triple H is on the board, he's all buddy-buddy now with Chris Nowinski. Chris Nowinski at one point was public enemy number one to WWE for all the headaches they were creating. Now they're in bed with the guy and they're working hand-in-hand, arm-in-arm with him on concussion research, and that's great. I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to hear it. But it does make you wonder, what are their true motivations when it comes to this? Are they coming from a good place or are they not coming from a good place? And on the independent contractor status stuff, I I hope, because this interview has just lit up the internet, all people are talking about, all people are asking me about, CM Punk, what do you think about this? CM Punk this, CM Punk that. You know what, if if there's one good thing that comes out of this interview, besides all of the, you know, people say, oh, he's just bitching, and he's moaning, and he's whining, he is, he's bitching about a lot of different things, some stuff that he has a right to bitch about. If one positive comes from this, I hope this reignites the debate over the independent contractor versus employee status in wrestling. It's a farce. It has been for years. How they've gotten away with it for this long, I'll never know. I mean, it benefits them. You know, It shields them from having to pay uh, certain employment taxes and medical insurance for the performers. Hey, look at the TNA stuff with Daphne from all those years ago. And what a, a fucked up situation that is. You talk about a company that doesn't give a fuck about its performers. At least back then. And the way they were treating some of them, especially the women. I mean, you got to go back and read up on that whole story. Better yet, go back in the archives. Go on the Solomonster.com. It was back in like mid-2011. Sound off 156. One of the more famous episodes I ever did was about TNA and their appalling treatment of talent back then. So go read up on that. But in that case, you know, they ended up settling it. Uh, And Daphne had raised the issue of the independent contractor label. So don't think that WWE was not paying attention to that whole situation because if TNA didn't squash that, that could have had serious negative consequences on their own business. And trust me, they do not want that. But, you know, independent contractors, they have control over their own schedule. They can accept as many jobs as they can find. They're not usually bound to one person or to one company. They do have to get their own insurance. Uh, and they typically pay for their own expenses, just like WWE talent, you know, who have to provide their own health insurance. They are responsible for all of their own travel expenses except for airfare, which the company provides for them to make sure they get from point A to point B on time. After that, with hotel and rental cars, you're on your own. If you're making CM Punk money, you can afford it. I mean, hell, the, the dude bought himself a bus. Not everybody is making CM Punk money. Now, an employee like me, okay, I have a full-time job. I am an employee. I have a time by which I have to be at work. I have a time by which I am required to be there until every single day, Monday through Friday. I cannot just come and go as I please. And they provide a health insurance plan. If you work for WWE, you have to be where they tell you to be at all times. You have to be on this flight at this time to go to this city or this country And you have to be at the building by this time or else. Or else you get fined. And if you get offers from other promotions to wrestle, or an acting gig, or a sponsorship, or anything like that, either you can't do it because you're bound exclusively to WWE, or you have to first clear it with them, and more than likely they're going to turn you down. Jericho had a huge blow-up with Vince McMahon when he was picked to host that downfall show on ABC, the game show. I talked about it in his book. And in the end, Vince let him do it, but he had a fight with him tooth and nail on it. Now, if Jericho was a true independent contractor, 
he should have been able to do whatever the hell he wants. So long as it doesn't interfere with any existing dates that he may have had with WWE. But they need to control every little thing about your life. But yet, these people, they're not employees. Oh no. The whole thing is a colossal joke. It's ridiculous that the IRS has not nailed them on this by now. And like I said, if nothing else, maybe it'll spark a conversation. It may not go anywhere, but I think it's a conversation worth having because the whole thing is a freaking joke. So let's wrap this whole thing up here. You know, many, many months ago when Punk first walked out, there were a lot of people, a lot of podcasts. Everybody had an opinion on what happened. Was he in the right? Was he in the wrong? And my view of what happened okay because all we knew was that he walked away and he had another five months or whatever it was left in his contract and he kind of left them in a lurch he didn't say anything so nobody knew why he left if it was injuries if it was money that he felt he was owed if he was unhappy with creative my thought at the time was and i i specifically said he should have finished out his deal if he had a few months left he signed the contract he knew what he was getting himself into finish the deal, and then walk away, unless it was a medical issue. And if Punk is to be believed, it was a, it was a host of different health issues, including one that could have killed him, that caused him to walk away when he did, and that's totally understandable. If he had a staph infection, he should not have been wrestling. Here's what I don't understand about that whole thing, though. You keep going to this doctor, and you're asking him to cut it out, and he refuses to, Right? He's putting you on medication that's making you sick, that's making you shit your pants. You can't sleep. You have no appetite. You don't just watch The Walking Dead anymore. You know, you are The Walking Dead. Why does it take him walking out three months later to finally go see a doctor outside of WWE? Why did he suffer like that for three months and the doctor kept rebuffing him and rebuffing him and it it took his wife then three months later coming to him and saying, hey, why don't you see my doctor? Why? Why did it take that for that to happen? If I'm a football player and I don't like the team doctor and I have this thing on my back that's getting larger and it's starting to turn colors and it's starting to hurt me, I'm taking my ass to my primary care physician. I'm not wasting my time with the team doctor anymore. I'm going to a doctor outside the bubble who knows what the fuck he's doing. It's like these guys live in a bubble that they feel it's impossible to break out of when it's really not. On your day off, drive to the fucking doctor. And get a second opinion, especially if you think the guy you're talking to is full of shit. It should not have taken him that long to get a proper diagnosis. It's on the WWE doctor. If that guy is negligent and that guy fucked up, that's <laughs> he's got some questions to answer. But Punk is also partially responsible, I think, for that. And I feel bad for the guy. That sucks that he had to go through that. But, I mean, what is this reliance on the WWE doctors? What is this reliance on the team doctor? Is there a stipulation in his contract that he's not allowed to go see a doctor outside the auspices of WWE? Don't these guys have their own doctor? We know some of them do because that's how they used to get their stash. I just, I don't get it. But when it comes right down to it, the main complaints boil down to this. I want the WrestleMania main event. I want time off because I'm beat up. And I want more money because I think I'm worth it. Welcome to the club. (laughs) You just name the three things that every wrestler in the world wants. Uh, Now, on the first point, no one is entitled to the WrestleMania main event. Aside from that, I came away from this feeling like, I get it. 
I understand where he's coming from, and I can absolutely believe most of what he's saying. I believe he's being genuine about what's going on. He honestly believes everything he's saying. Does that make him an egomaniac? Maybe. Maybe. But I don't think he's making stuff up about promises that were made to him, promises that were broken, injuries, lack of planning on WWE's part, Vince being an old man who's out of touch, a company that plays favorites. I don't think he's making that up at all. And it's a shame his career ended the way it did. You know, that was a choice that he felt he had to make, and he walked away. At least he can walk away having done something that very few people at his age have been able to do. Walk away on his own and never look back. So I say, good for him. Man, that was a lot to get through. If you like what you heard here... Plus, we have another episode coming tomorrow. Plus, there's two Sound Off extras that I recorded this week. One, a full Survivor Series review that's up on our YouTube channel, and a full hour-long review of Chris Jericho's new book. All of that stuff. If you like it all, best way to support the show is by making a PayPal donation on thesolomonster.com. Use our Audible link and get your free audiobook, or buy a shirt in our Pro Wrestling Tees store. Uh, no rest for the weary. We'll be right back tomorrow with a brand new regular episode of the sound off that'll be number 357 covering pretty much everything we did not cover on this show so until then be well stay safe we'll see you right back here again tomorrow for another brand new episode until then take care guys the good the bad and the ugly the solemn monster sounds off happy lee i had to sit in the stands and watch granny break a wine bottle over another woman's ass what a classy lady and i loved how she went for the cheap pop by pleading with everybody my mother was born in brooklyn as if that's supposed to impress all of us guess what it didn't they got exactly the reaction they deserved and the next morning on the today show they talked about their experience kathy lee claimed that she was against appearing on the show in the first place she had to be convinced to do it this is all coming from a woman who once made an autistic kid cry on national television there's a lot of dumb shit this woman has said over the years that should have earned her a lifetime ban from television she's got no business being on tv why is she employed why does she have a job the picture of class kathy lee gifford since 2007 the solomonster sounds off available at the solomonster.com stitcher radio tune in radio itunes and more solo monsters sound off